Have you ever wondered if you have ADHD? Or possibly you've been recently diagnosed with ADHD, like me? Then stay tuned to today's episode because my fellow coach friend Jennifer and I are sharing our stories around our lives with ADHD. The diagnosis, what happened, how alcohol impacted it, all the details. Stay tuned and listen in. You're going to love this conversation. Welcome to Aging Flipped. I'm Debbie Talbert, a certified mindset and alcohol freedom coach. This podcast is all about helping you flip that script in your head about what is possible for you. When you're willing to go with me and question some of the beliefs that you have, you will be amazed by what you're able to create for yourself. Let's go. All righty. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to be here today. I am. I have a guest with me today on the podcast episode. It's very exciting for me as a fellow friend of mine, a fellow coach, and a fellow ADHD person. So we're doing this episode today and bringing attention to ADHD because we're recording it in October, and it does happen to be October is ADHD Awareness Month. Also, October happens to be many people are doing Sober October. And so my guest, Jennifer, she is also an alcohol freedom coach, and she is running a Sober October program. So if that's something that sounds like you want to be, and yes, I realize when this is going live, we're already into October. However, you can join this program at any point that you would like within it. And if this is something you're thinking about doing and rethinking alcohol, it'd be an awesome opportunity for you. Today, we're going to mainly focus on ADHD, how the areas of your life that it impacts, some strategies that you can use to help yourself, because you, when we can break free of the stigma of thinking that there's something wrong with us because we happen to have an ADHD brain, then we can start feeling about ourselves differently. And when we're feeling different about ourselves, we start being different in the world. And as we're being different in the world, then we start we start able to have different things available to us in our life. And we start to feel so much happier about ourselves, about our lives, and we start to improve our relationships. So I'm really excited to be here with my guest, Jennifer, today and bring her on. So I'm going to let Jennifer tell you a little bit about her story and how she got a little about her behind the her ADHD diagnosis and also how alcohol impacted that. And then I'll be weaving in some questions with that too around that. So Jennifer, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, and thank you for having me on this morning. I'm so impressed we both made it here on time. <laughs> yeah, I know we did. We both I made know. it on time. <laughs> but you know that ADHD brain, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's see. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 41. I am now 50. But when I, I received the diagnosis, it kind of was an aha, like, oh, it was almost a relief because I wasn't seeking a diagnosis. I didn't even really know what ADHD was. I was seeing a psychiatrist for depression and the things that we were talking about, you know, I was complaining that like, I just, I couldn't get things done. I couldn't focus. I just was constantly beating myself up. I was so reactive to everything. And, 
um, he asked me, he said, you know, have you ever been assessed for ADHD? And I was almost offended. I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's that stigma thing creeping in there. Right. And, um, you know, I was already, I had already like accepted that I have depression and anxiety, but now I have to like ADHD, come on. So he gave me like the assessment for ADHD and I'm like off the charts, adult ADHD. So when I sort of understood what it was, I'm like, oh, like this is what has been plaguing me my entire life, like since high school. And remembering that, you know, like I, I always had trouble studying, I, like I'm a relatively smart person and I did okay in school, but it was studying for me. I would rather die than study. I just, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it until it was like midnight the night before the test. And I realized I didn't know the information. So I'd stay up all night and study and I'd get a passing grade. And so like I, I could do it, but it was always last minute. It was always such a struggle and there was no impetus to get things done unless I had like a deadline right in front of me that I could see that I only have so much time to get this done. And that was the only thing that could get me to do stuff. I always thought I was lazy, but it wasn't laziness. And so it was, you know, nobody wants to have a diagnosis of any kind of, you know, mental disorder, but it was a relief to know that there was nothing quote unquote wrong with me. It was that my brain just works a little differently. So that was nine years ago. Um, He prescribed Adderall and it actually helped initially um, because all of a sudden I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I can do my work. And I'm going to do, I'm not just going to do the work I have to do. I'm going to do the work that I don't even have to do that I can get done for next week because I had this focus now and I, the chatter was gone of like, you know, you're lazy, you're stupid, you can't get stuff done. Um, So it was helpful. However, I was also drinking heavily during that time. So what happened was um, I think, and I'm, I'm not a doctor and I, I'm not sure the science behind it, but my experience is that when I was taking the Adderall, it almost like negated the effects of the alcohol. So I didn't realize that I was getting drunk. So I would drink and I, I, I already was a pretty heavy drinker, but I would drink the same amount as usual, but I didn't really notice it. So I started drinking even more. And by the time you know, I realized it was too much. It was way too much. And so that combination of the Adderall and the alcohol did not mix, but that went on for several years before I did anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what I like, what I like about what you like, what you pointed out is like how having the diagnosis gave you kind of an aha and an understanding, even though oh, no, I don't really want to hear that that might be the thing that I'm going to have this label, right? So the, but but yet the relief and the understanding of, oh, this now makes sense mm-hmm. why it's harder for me to do these things, right? right? And having that piece in there. And so I think that a way we can start to work towards kind of like breaking the stigmas is first of all, within ourselves, right? 
breaking that own stigma within ourselves that we even have around have like that we have this diagnosis now of ADHD. And so if we can move ourselves to, and I get it in the beginning. Yeah. Because it's scary. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We don't really like the idea of not being quote unquote normal. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we can move it to the neutral space of, yes, I have this diagnosis. Right. Mm -hmm. Then that helps us move away from and I am the one with the problem, right? Or, and something has gone wrong. It can be more like, I have this diagnosis and now what am I going to do? And right. now how can I work with my doctor? How can I work with finding tools to help me mm -hmm. and let go of trying to quote unquote, fix yourself? Right. Because I think that, and for me anyway, because the same thing happened, in, like I was diagnosed, like I sort of suspected for a long time um, because of the fan in, in my family, there's ADHD, but I myself wasn't officially diagnosed. So, and even though I understood that it's hereditary and stuff like that, and because I wasn't officially diagnosed, and when I went and actually got officially diagnosed, it gave me that same freedom too. Like, oh, okay, now that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to look for strategies right, to help me with all of these areas that ADHD is impacted in and then the other piece that um is really like being honest right because we also have such a stigma around even just rethinking alcohol's role in our mm -hmm. lives right so yes I get how it can be uncomfortable make it hard to let your doctor know exactly how much you're drinking right however mm -hmm. if you want to get the help that is necessary for your ADHD and also not impact your life in another negative way right. or in a negative way, in a further negative way, right? Really letting yourself do what, you know, go through the discomfort of being honest about how much alcohol you're consuming, right? Absolutely. I mean, and only since I've removed alcohol from my life mm -hmm. did I come to the realization that I had been self-medicating my undiagnosed ADHD with alcohol for years and years and years, because I thought always there was something like I was uniquely flawed. Like there was literally something wrong with me that was different than other people. And I had this constant chatter in my mind, just beating myself up all day and night you're stupid, you're lazy, you're crazy, you're out of control, you're, I mean, you name it, I would call myself that name. And the only thing that shut off that chatter was alcohol. The only thing that kept, like, shut off my anxiety of feeling different and weird was alcohol. Like, suddenly, when I started drinking alcohol, I could go out and feel normal and talk to people. And I wasn't beating myself up for being all those terrible things that I thought I was. So this was like, this was before the diagnosis. This was before, you know, realizing how much I was relying on alcohol to just make me feel normal. But that's yeah. where it all started. I know that's where it all started for me too, was like, cause I had so much chatter in my head. I was like on that, that mm -hmm. hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough for that. And mm -hmm. I think that because of 
everything that we're exposed to in our world, right? How much programming that we get within our own minds that we're not aware of in subtle ways of how we're being programmed about how we should be doing things. Like, and I know that people can't see us because it's audio, but when I'm doing shit, I'm quoting, right? Like, so it's kind of like, and all of that, regardless of whether you have ADHD or not, mm-hmm. it is all of that should stuff. And even the way companies are marketing to us mm-hmm. and they're doing marketing because they want us to buy their thing, right? And the way they help us do that based on how our brains are designed is by convincing us through the marketing that we will be happy when we have their thing, right? And then we have our own experience of, yeah, when we go and get that thing, we are happy in the moment, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're getting that little bit of that dopamine hit from having gone and bought the thing. But then after we have the thing for a little while, it's no longer new. So it's really just that newness and we're having all these thoughts about how fun this new thing is. Mm -hmm. So it's the thoughts that are there around our thing. It's the little hit of dopamine we get when we get the thing. So that's our brain collecting the evidence that, oh yeah, they must've been right. And then when we don't see the happiness, then we're like, oh, okay, we're out searching for the next happiness thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other side of, if you do have ADHD, then your brain is actually low on dopamine. So part of the impact of part of what's going on is that your brain itself is low on dopamine. And so when we're low on dopamine, and this is why I love doing all that, like searching around, like what's going on with the brain, all this stuff like that. And so when we're low on dopamine, then this is why these impulsivities come to place. Mm -hmm. Because the dopamine is the part where that's all that regulation is happening. And so when we're low on the dopamine, that's why we have like the attention, the lack of, it's hard to keep our attention. It's hard to do the focus, mm-hmm. right? And then and then the, um, like your emotional regulation is in there too. So part of that is like, and so then, that, then seeking out the alcohol, it makes total sense how that would come in the picture because you're getting that dopamine hit from that too. Exactly. I mean, and I, you know, alcohol wasn't the only addiction. It was like, I, I had shopping addiction, sex addiction. I mean, you name it. It was, it was that constant, like I need a hit of dopamine. I didn't know that that's what it was. I just thought that like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't be, nothing satisfied me, nothing. Right. And I, you know, on the externally looking in, you know, my life seemed just great. I, you know, I couldn't have asked for more, but I was never satisfied. And so I was constantly just searching for things to sort of fill that hole of feeling like I, something was missing. Um, little did I know it was just dopamine. And that's all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Other than sort of the internal work that I've done about, you know, some of the core beliefs that I had about myself, but that all stemmed from the feeling, you know, that there was something wrong with me and sort of be- beating myself up over it. But, um, right. Yeah. yeah. And so that like the beating ourselves up over stuff is that when we're thinking poorly about ourselves, then we start to feel even worse about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then part of the ADHD is the emotional regulation piece. And we go into that, we can go into that black and white, all or nothing thinking mm-hmm. there doesn't, we're on it's harder to get to a like, oh, there's the gray, let's make it neutral. Right. 
Right. And so if we don't understand what's happening and if we don't have tools mm-hmm. to help ourselves manage our mind, right? And teach our brain to really stop listening. The key is to stop listening to all those thoughts. Because even without ADHD, our brains have that automatic negativity bias that comes in there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's coming in, but it's but if you do have ADHD, it's harder for you to regulate those things. So it's going to be when you learn how to on purpose do that, then things will be different for you. So what kind of tools have you found for yourself that helps you with that kind of stuff? Yeah. One of the most transformative things for me on this alcohol-free journey was understanding the fact that thoughts are things. We are not, we are not our thoughts, right? Like I can think a million crazy things in this noggin of mine all day long. And if like, I've learned the skill of taking a step back and saying, wait a second, is this true? Is this necessary? Is this helping me in any way? And I think just allowing myself to be aware of my thoughts and, you know, how they're making me behave and how they're making me feel like realizing I have control to sort of reframe those thoughts and hopefully into a more positive way so that I can move forward as opposed to spend hours and hours just beating myself up with these crazy thoughts. So that's a skill that I learned for sure. And that takes time because we're all, I mean, I I don't mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but we have like millions, billions of thoughts. Yeah. I don't know what the numbers are either. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, you can't believe all those things because they're just thoughts. Um, I also, you know, going out of my way to breathe and just pay attention to my breaths just calms me down. Um, I also discovered tapping and I don't know who, if anyone's familiar with tapping, but it's like, it's almost like acupressure that you do for yourself. And I have an app that sort of guides the meditation and you, you tap different parts of your body, like your head and your face and under your arm. And, um, there's a guided meditation that says like, I acknowledge the way I feel. I honor these feelings, but I love myself anyway. And, um, you know, it's valid to have these feelings. And one of the things that you taught me, Debbie, is that like feelings are not problems to be solved. They're there for a reason and to dig deep and understand where they're coming from and how can we address them as opposed to believing that those feelings, you know, telling myself I'm stupid is, is real. Cause I know I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? But like, you know how many times a day I used to say that to myself. So yeah. all of those things, I think just being mindful and just having self-compassion is so, so important on top of medication and all the other stuff, <laughs> but. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I also think that, cause it sounds like what you allowed yourself to do was slow down and get to know yourself. Exactly. Right. And, and let, so the under getting the diagnosis gave you like an aha relief mm-hmm. and it makes, oh, that makes sense. And then even that, like, it's not like you're in that, like, oh, yep. Yay. Joy, joy. This is what I get to have. Right. So it's, this isn't about that. Right. It's that, okay, now I'm in that space of acceptance. 
Mm-hmm. And when we're in this space of acceptance, instead of this space of judgment mm-hmm. of ourselves, then we can open ourselves up to all kinds of tools, ideas, resources, people. Mm-hmm. We can open up to start shifting and letting ourselves get curious, move into curious mm-hmm. and getting with, instead of asking what I call, what we start asking what I call um, empowered questions, right? instead of disempowering questions like the disempowering questions are more around like what's wrong with me why can't I figure this out why do I keep doing this right Mm -hmm. where instead the more empowering says oh I wonder what I could do different next time Mm -hmm. it's a different it's a whole different feeling of that what's wrong with me right Mm because when we're asking those other kinds of the disempowering questions we're still just in that hamster wheel of beating ourselves up and beating ourselves down, basically, and uh, giving ourselves um, a beat down, right? Like, it's literally like we're yeah. bullying ourselves in our head, maybe not with the words, but with our questions, right? Because in the brain, they're disempowering because when we ask ourselves a question, that's a job to the brain. And so we've given it a job. And so mm-hmm. if we're asking what is wrong with me or why am I so stupid? the brain is going to go and seek that previous evidence that you have that recall part of the brain and it's going to bring it to your forefront Mm -hmm. and it's going to point it out to you. And it's literally just doing its job that you just ask it to find the answer for. So this is why when we're in the energy of acceptance and we start asking empowering questions, oh, I wonder what I can do next time. Then you start looking for something else. You're not even looking in the past. You're looking more towards the future. Right. I love that. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference in how we do things. And so what are some of the other, um, so then as far as like, so I just want to cover because this is also ADHD awareness, right? So Mm -hmm. for people to help understand, even if it's not yourself that has ADHD, but maybe you have a loved one that has ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. And there are also um, resources. uh, What is the... Uh, now I can't remember. I'm going to look it up. If you can think of it, what's the web, the ADHD? Um, uh, hold on. It'll be a minute. I'm typing up. Oh, ADHD. <laughs> like I'm kind of trying to find some resources too for like where people could uh, get some more understanding. So there's ADHDawarenessmonth.org, right? And this organization has a lot of resources for you if this is happening, right? So they have stuff about the myths, the facts, questions you can answer, uh, you know, you can ask, right? And understanding shared experiences. So there's a lot of resources on there for you to kind of get yourself if this is happening, right? Mm-hmm. Or if this is what you think is happening, where you can start to uh, reach out and discover some resources. And you can also, if alcohol is what's getting in your way and just hearing from Jennifer's story, you can also reach out to Jennifer mm-hmm. and, um, she's having this over October this month and you can get some support there mm-hmm. and then and you can also reach out to me like you can go to my website too but some of the things I want you to under so with the areas that are impacted are attention and focus physical organization time management cognitive flexibility and that piece is where the black and white and all or nothing kind of thinking really comes in there mm-hmm. and then and that's also the where emotional regulation comes in there so that's the piece where you'll feel really, really way more je- rejected 
mm-hmm. than other people will feel. And to me, that was where the most social anxiety kind of stuff came in for me. Because mm-hmm. it was literally just trying to say hello to someone and and they're like, get distracted with something else. And I'm taking that distraction as they don't like me. Right. <laughs> right. The simplest yeah. of things, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, and they don't like me, P.S., because of all those things I've been telling myself of my brain. Right. Truth. Like, they know, my- they know all those things. They know that, I, you know, whatever, all these terrible things. They, <laughs> right. They know all those terrible things of, that I think about myself. They saw them just from that one word of hello. Right. right? right. That's where, like, you go down that path like that. Right. And then also the impulsivity impulsivity that that that's been an issue for me it that's something that I still struggle with it's because it's again that hit of dopamine it's like oh my god I have this idea and I'm going to execute right now even though I haven't done any research any work any any future planning I'm doing it and I've gotten myself into trouble more than once sort of making a a life altering decision without all the facts and without proper planning and I think that's pretty common with ADHD. And I think it's pretty common to abuse substances when you have ADHD, because that's the only thing we don't realize it at the time, but it's like, that's the only thing that makes us feel normal, you know? And um, time blindness is another one that I've struggled with, you know, like I don't realize how long something's going to take to do. So I'll set aside an hour and it took me six hours or I'll have a meeting at 1230. And from, I wake up at nine o'clock and I'm like, I can't do anything between now and 1230 because I, I have to make sure I'm ready for this meeting, but I don't really need the three and a half hours to prepare for this meeting. I, but I just get, you know, worried that I'm not going to have enough time. So time blindness for me has been something I've always yeah. had timers on my phone and things like that. So, right. So that, yeah, for me too, it's that time, like, and then I also allow that distractivity, like that impulsivity and then the time blindness, I kind of, as I'm working on growing like a business, right. And even some of the tasks that I know by now, how long they're going to take me, mm-hmm. I still will add in a little bit of buffer time on each side Mm -hmm. for me, for my distractibility, right? Mm -hmm. So I started allowing myself to accept what is like, okay, I'm going to get distracted, right? And so, and even when I'm doing it, laughing at myself about it, Mm -hmm. in the sense of making it, you know, a humorous, like I'll be doing something, working on a project. And then the next thing I know, I see myself on my phone. And before and I would be hours on the phone then totally distract but somehow because I've now made a joke about like able to say to myself oh there's my brain again doing what she does she picked up the phone she thought that's what we were supposed to be doing right now but we're not and -hmm. so then I put it back down and so just literally like almost like laughing Mm -hmm. and separating and almost as if my brain is a different person Mm -hmm. to me and that allows me to laugh more often about it, add humor into it, accept what is, and not take everything so personally myself about myself. Yeah, humor right. helps for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, just to be lighthearted about it. Again, it's the self-compassion. It's like, there's, there isn't anything wrong with me. I'm just a human being making my way through the world. My brain happens to work a little bit differently than most people. 
but like everybody's different. We all have different ways of learning and to just love myself anyway and know that regardless of, you know, if I get this done in time or I go past the deadline or I am late to a meeting, like it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with my worth as a human being or my intention is always good. It's not because I don't care and I about being late. It's because I just sort of lost track of time and to, yeah, you know, it helps to make fun of yourself. Right. And, it does. And to bring I, that, I mean, it, it totally does. And to bring that in there now, mm-hmm. all of these things that we're like, have moved ourselves into be able to do for ourselves. I know for myself, I did not do that by myself. I needed a coach. Yes. Right. And I think that people, I honestly believe that regardless of whatever kind of change you're trying to make, right. But if you're working on changing internal things and you're mm-hmm. no, and you're, and so you're picking up on, Oh, that's me. And that happens to me based on just some of the stuff we we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you're really struggling with it. We want you to know that you're not alone. You're not broken and you're not flawed, right? And nothing has gone wrong and that you can learn how to teach your brain, right? And so you're, if you can think of it as, I taught my brain this one way, right? Like, cause you taught it to think you were broken with your thoughts and others, like other messages we may have gotten from outside of our own thoughts, right? From the external world. And just like when you went to school and you learned how to do all the things that you needed to do in school and there was a teacher guiding you and helping you to really notice what you couldn't see within that problem that you were trying to work out. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what coaching has created for me, mm-hmm. right? When I've my own coach has allowed me to see in the problem I'm trying to work out how certain things I'm thinking are getting in my own way. And by then helping me notice how the thought is impacting me and then helping me decide, did I want to keep it? Do I want to keep listening to it? Or would I like to change it to something else so that I could start asking myself empowering questions, Mm -hmm. right? Because even though I have the skills, I have a brain and whether you have ADHD or not, you have a brain that's going to give you thoughts all the time, right? And the key is to learn to not listen to them, which is what I talked about in last week's episode, is the, one of the things you got to quit is quit listening to your brain, right? Mm-hmm. And so the coach can also help you see what it is you're actually listening to. Because when you're busy listening, you don't know that that's what you're listening to. Right. You become like sound blind to it or kind of like that commercial, right? With the nose blind, with the Febreze spray, right? It's like, so you become sound blind to it, right? So for you, and so then that's how I'm able to put these skills into play mm-hmm. because my brain is going to do what it's going to do. And so having someone else to work with to help me see what I can't see is what's allowed me to come up with, first of all, radically accepting myself, Mm -hmm. getting to know myself, understanding myself, and then even with inconsistency that my ADHD brain has, making progress towards things that I want to create and do in life. So for you, June, what has been kind of your experience with helping you kind of come up with your tools and all that stuff? Yeah, I never understood what coaching was, to be quite honest, until I had my own coach. I, I didn't I didn't understand the point of it. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that coaching has changed my entire worldview 
It <laughs> has changed the way I interact with people, just the way I, I see my life and the world. It, it's incredible. Like, you know, you think of therapy and therapy, somebody gave me this analogy, like therapy is like opening up the suitcase to see like, like digging in the suitcase to see what's in there. And coaching is like zipping up the suitcase and going on the trip. You know, it's not like just, so there, there's a purpose for each one, but coaching has helped me do exactly what you just said. Like having another person hear the stuff coming out of your mouth from your brain, all those crazy thoughts that you have. And to say the, the simplest question, is it true? Is that true? And most of the time, it's not true, you know, whatever it is that I'm saying about myself and catching those side comments. That's what the beauty of coaching, like I can talk for an hour about my thoughts about something, but there's always like a few side comments. That's really the crux of the issue. And a skilled coach will pick up those side comments and ask you, is that true? You know, like, how is that working for you? and forces you to address those beliefs that you have about yourself and about the world and um, to address them. And um, it's, it's changed my life. And I now I have to try my best when I'm just like with friends and family to like not coach them because you hear, <laughs> right? you hear yeah, people exactly, say it all the time. Exactly. And I, yeah. and I, uh, I have to be mindful myself of like, okay, should I ask them if they would like me to put my coaching hat on and help them with this issue? Or should I just listen as a friend and have a conversation? Because you realize so much of the stuff that we talk about, that we say to ourselves um, is not true. And it's not helping us get to where we want to be and create the lives that we want. So yeah, amazing, amazing. And so I think that's the perfect way to kind of end things up. But Jennifer, let people know how they can find out about your Sober October. Yes. So if you go to my website, which is called A Mighty Rebel, uh, amightyrebel.com, and you can find out more about me and my story. And um, there's a link to join our Rebel Without a Drink um, which is our challenge to stay sober for October, but it's not just for October. It's a monthly group um, with weekly live coaching and just helping people sort of make that first step in changing their behavior around alcohol. Okay, awesome. And then I also know though, you do have some kind of event thing coming up too, right? Well, we're that you're working on in your mind anyway, right? <laughs> so if you go over there and check that out, whether you're going to do sober October, at least get on the list. Exactly. Jennifer's going to be, because her biggest thing, which she's going to come back and talk about it another episode, but figuring mm -hmm. out what do people do for fun now that they're sober? Yeah. What do sober people do for fun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now I know because I'm creating the fun. So, right. Yeah. So <laughs> you want to make sure and stay in touch. All right. Awesome. Jennifer, thank you so much for being in here today. And um, I will put in for those of you listening, inside the, just the description of the show, and you'll be able to see it right on your phone, the links to the organization to help you with ADHD, to put the links to um, Jennifer's what, sub, Sober Clover, so, Sober Clover, <laughs> <laughs> Sober October that she's doing, right? And mm -hmm. then also the links in how to get in touch with me. So everyone have a fantastic, 
awesome rest of your day. And Jennifer, it's been so much fun having you on here today. Thanks so much. Hey there, before we go, I do want to give a shout out to the amazing songwriters of the instrumentals that you are hearing as the podcast is introduced to you and in the background right now. The songwriters are A. Rochelle Harper and Gary Boz Boswell. The name of the song is Anything is Possible When You Believe. For those of you who found this podcast interesting, I want to encourage you to follow it. I also ask you to rate it, review it, and share the podcast. Let me know what you honestly think about the podcast. I want this to be a space where we can begin to break the stigma around ADHD, rethinking alcohol, and what's possible as we're aging. If that is something you would like to hear more about, please rate the podcast, review it, and connect with me on jumpseatcoaching.com and let me know what else you would like to hear, some topics that you would like covered, people you would like me to bring on to the show. Have a fantastic rest of your day.